You're listening to the Water Prairie Chronicles, a podcast that supports parents of children with disabilities by sharing the stories of individuals who have grown up with disabilities and the organizations available to help parents along the way. Stay connected with us by clicking the subscribe button and leave us a comment if you want to join in on the conversation. In today's episode, Tracy Wilkerson talks with Tonya about what it's been like to parent two children with visual impairments. She'll be sharing some tips on how she has helped them learn to navigate the world and how they inspired her to become an orientation and mobility specialist. Welcome to the Water Prairie Chronicles. Um, Everyone, today's guest is Tracy Wilkerson. She's a friend of mine, but she's um, got a lot of interesting parts to her life that I thought you might enjoy hearing about. So welcome, Tracy. Would you like to tell us a little bit about yourselves before I get into the actual questions? Okay, so I have two children who are visually impaired. Um, They are in high school now. And um, of course, when you have two children with IEPs and with a disability that's very visible, there's a lot of struggles, but there's a lot of good stuff. There's a lot of, there's more laughs than struggles because we, you know, they can laugh at themselves. So at home, you know, it's, it's fine. It's no struggles, but you know, you're dealing with the public, you're dealing with the schools, you're dealing with every activity that they do. Um, but overall, I mean, I wouldn't change anything. And I'm actually happy in a way that they're both visually impaired because, you know, they have a unique bond and they have each other to commiserate with when there's not another VI person around to commiserate with. <laughs> I hadn't really thought about that. They, they, they've they always had that as far as yeah, able to remember. Yeah. Really. That is one thing I think about more as they get older is I'm, I'm very thankful that they have each other and they both have the same condition where, you know, you see other siblings kind of struggle a lot and they go through those periods where maybe one isn't so nice to the other. And at least I've seen that in other families. Right. (laughs) It can be a struggle. (laughs) Well, for our listeners, um, if you've been following the podcast, you actually met um, Tracy's oldest child Olivia she was on episode three and in a few weeks she'll get a chance to meet her son Evan so um so we're bringing the whole family on with it they were kind enough to to divide and conquer for me so we we were able to tell tell all of their stories but um but yeah I mean and Olivia did a great job I thought coming on she She, did I I was really I, I, I had a lot of fun talking with her um yeah every time she speaks somewhere I'm like she just needs a little coaching and she would be a really great public speaker. I she, think. <laughs> she would, I think I, I, I really do. And, and I'm hoping that as time goes by that she'll be able to connect with some of these kids that are listening to it. So, um, yeah. so we'll see. Yeah. There's been a couple, couple little comments, but, but I haven't seen much. I don't okay. know if she's had much feedback yet with, um, so, so we've already given the condition that you do have two, two children who are visually impaired and, Olivia told us some of her story, but you know more of her story than she does because she kept saying during it, well, my mom and dad know this, but I don't know this. (laughs) (laughs) And this is the part that I find um, that I wanted to ask you more about too, was those really early days, because we have people listening who have infants right now who have just gotten a diagnosis or, and they're Mm -hmm. not connected anywhere yet. So when did you find out that Olivia had a visual impairment? Um, I think it probably took us 
a while because I didn't have any other children and I wasn't really around babies yet. So I just followed the book, what the book said. <laughs> That's what I looked for. That's what we worked on. And so I remember at her two month checkup, the doctor asking me if she was looking at me and I was like, I think so, you know, it was kind of that fleeting eye movement glance. Mm-hmm. And one of the grandparents had made a comment, you know, about the nystagmus. I didn't know it was nystagmus. They didn't know, but the roving, the circling movement of her yeah. eye. And, you know, they were quickly shushed by the other grandparents. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was just like, she likes the lights. I don't know, you know. And so then at, and the doctor was like, well, we'll give it more time at two months, you know. And so at four months, he was like, all right, you got to go somewhere. Something's not right. And um, I think we probably knew that by then, too, at four months that something wasn't right. Yeah, because it's I, I think I think a lot of times that's what happens is the parent is noticing something. You know, you, you go in for that four week checkup, you go in for the two month and it's such yeah. a quick in and out. They're not necessarily right. looking for, right. for especially Where, an eye when condition. Evan was born, I knew like, okay, about a month, then I stand with to kick in and we were at a visit for Olivia. And I was like, can you just look at Evan? Does it look like he has it? You know, <laughs> they were like, yeah. So I was like, okay. <laughs> and so at four months, you know, he referred us. The first doctor had no clue what was wrong with you know what was wrong with her what type and, of doctor did you go to first um i'm guessing he was like a pediatric ophthalmologist maybe he was in raleigh okay but he had no idea so you know i went back to work you know talking and one of my co-workers was like you know we had trouble with one of my daughter's eyes we went to this doctor so i was like okay, okay i'll call him and so, and he was really good. He was like, it's either this or this or this or that, you know, wow. and it was that. Okay. So, and he sent us to Duke. And so that was in that time. I don't remember how it happened, but we did get hooked up with um, our local agency who started serving us to get okay. her a TV, a teacher of the visually impaired to come out and start working with her. Um but it wasn't until because of course duke is you know you wait months to get in there right so she was nine months old before we got to duke okay and got an official diagnosis but because i remember him saying keep doing what you're doing you know with your local agency to serve her and um because i think at that time it would have been governor moorhead okay serves zero to three I don't think it was a county person. Gosh, that's so long. So they, I so don't they remember, knew it but was somebody was coming. So, so they knew enough to know that she needed services. They just didn't know the yes. name of what it was yet. Right. Okay. Right. Because they knew, like, you know, she still wasn't. There was no eye contact, and um, but she was super active as a kid. I mean, she was into every. I mean, even though she did everything slower, like she was just always into everything. She, so, she she had mentioned that when people would come by, they they always wanted to know what they were supposed to do with her because she was she was always so 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 right. so busy. I, I remember her first TVI was just like, I don't know what to do, you know. There, you know, she's super active. She's not afraid, you know, of doing anything. And you know, the which kids is great. Were complete that... opposites. Evan was afraid of everything, and Olivia was not. 
And so, I mean, she would climb on the chairs and turn the lights on and off, and she was just <laughs> everywhere. So, you know, that you know, the lady would try and get her to look at the light box, you know, and look at the shapes and all that kind of stuff, you know. Right. He was just everywhere. But um so we did have services, we got the diagnosis, and then I remember we did genetic testing to confirm mm-hmm. and and it was just kind of like we were, you know, we had more therapy. I think we had an OT evaluation and she was like, she's fine. And then she did have a PT. I don't remember what for, you know, just kept, you know, even though like she was so active, Evan was not, but they both walked at 17 months, you know, so. Right. <laughs> but when it came to Evan, I did things differently. because I was like, they're going to do it when they do it. Here's this child who's super active. And still didn't walk till she was 17 months, you know, and then you have the public's opinion about, oh, well, my child walked at 10 months. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Now, now mine would have if she could have let go and kept her balance. (laughs) Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, she she, she was pushing everything else around. So we ended up getting a toy lawnmower, which was. Yeah, uh, we had the toy shopping cart. Yep. It was a safe barrier before running into things. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. The, um, so for those that are listening who didn't hear Olivia's yet, um, the condition that you're talking about is Lieber. Is it Lieber or Liebers? I say Labors. Labors. Okay. German, and I don't think Germans would have said Liebers, but True. <laughs> I don't know. It's, I say Labors congenital amaurosis. Okay. So there's two Labors, but ours labors is like the infant form of retinitis pigmentosa okay so it's the at birth is your vision loss where rp is as you get older right and and it's also referred to as lca is that correct yes lca yes okay um and so this is go ahead ahead. Uh, i was just gonna say and based on your gene type your kids can present different characteristics for lca oh okay like our gene type seems to be fairly academic, you know, kind of no other problems. I know there's other LCAs that have some other maybe kidney issues, you know, so there's okay. just based on your gene type, it can kind of affect different. I think a lot of the areas. genetic disorders are like that where yeah. there's, there's mm-hmm. different variants of the different um, mutations of the genes. Of right. They, so it's present. important to find out your gene type with LCA. And this is autoresessive, is that correct? Yeah, so both my husband and I carry the same bad gene. So every time we have a child, it's a 25% chance that they'll be affected. Right. Was Could either of you find any history in your families of it? My in-laws found an article about a woman who, I think in the 1900s sometime, was like the first blind woman to go to college and, oh. you know, like... I think it was North Carolina or Virginia. I can't remember. So we're, she didn't really have a diagnosis, of course. Right. But she obviously was academic enough to go to college and blind. Right. So we're guessing. But on my side, we haven't never found anything. So it could have been carried for generations and yeah, just right. not the right matchup for it to yeah. present. Or it could have yeah. been the right matchup and the, just not the right the the, yeah. the 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 right twenty five percent for it. Right. <laughs> yep. 
Yeah. So, well, and, and, and um, interesting. So I, I would, I would hazard a guess that, that that relative has the same if they were to have yeah. done any type of testing back then. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So the, um, so with Evan, you said you, you were looking for it already. So that. that yeah. So we were... knew, cause I wasn't hesitant. I didn't want to have just one kid, you know, I was like, been there, done that. We know what to do if it comes yeah. up again. True. What's, you know, and I would have had more, but <laughs> <laughs> I just started late. But, um, so, um, yeah. So once Evan was born, we knew, and of course it takes about four weeks for the nystagmus to kick in. Yeah. So once I kind of identified what looked like nystagmus and we were at the doctor and I was just like, look at him. Does he look like him? <laughs> I'm like, yes, pretty sure. <laughs> now I'm, I'm curious cause, cause I've had different discussions about nystagmus and I know Emily's is, is congenital as well, but I don't think it always mm-hmm. presents the same way. Did either of the kids have the, the downcast sunset eyes before the eye movement started or did they have uh, they, what is that? I, I don't like, know what that is. Like for so. Emily, her eyes were, it's as if she was looking down all the time. You could just see the oh, top no. crescent of both eyes. And, no, um, mine weren't like that. Because when I had her in for a four-week checkup, my question to the doctor, be, being my first, and I didn't mean this mm. bad, but that my child looked looked deranged and I just wanted to know what was going on. <laughs> <laughs> and his answer was that she was just curious about what was down below her. Uh. And 10 minutes later, he was on the phone to Children's Hospital to, to get her. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> so, but, but like, like, like with you, I mean, it, it takes, it takes the parents to see those behaviors. It's yes. not just this moment in time. Right. This is all the time. Right. Right. Yeah. So and I'm was, sure through the appointment, he was like, wow, she's really curious about something <laughs> that can't be what it is. <laughs> but then, but then a few weeks later, like you're saying, her eyes started moving side to side from okay. there. And that was okay. just like a tight band or something at first. And oh, then it loosened oh. up a little bit. Interesting. So I was curious if that's how it usually no, started. No, because I always remember like thinking, oh, Olivia really likes the lights, you know, she's just, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. So, well, I know. It's like, how, how are you supposed to know? And and that's what a lot of our listeners are going to be in that same situation. We have no clue as parents coming into yeah. this, you know. And it'd be nice if that little book had, if your child might have exactly. a vision yeah. loss or a hearing loss or CP or whatever, you know. Yeah. Maybe here's some clues to look at. You know, you're right. All of those books are missing those chapters. <laughs> so. Yes, they are. <laughs> so and, and and some of the situations show up later as they get older, but um yeah, but in this case right. you can't cover everything, but no, but it'd but, be nice. <laughs> so at least the, even as an education tool, you know, it force people to read it, right? Right. And have some knowledge about other disabilities. Or, yeah, just a checklist, even just to yeah. to read through just some basic things that you know, because they There's have the milestones. <laughs> They, well, they, they we have the milestones. Write a you know. new baby book. <laughs> by by, by four, four, four weeks old, your child should be doing this. You know all those things. So, like like your doctor was saying, by 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 what was it? Um, the the eight week. Um, she she right. should she should she be should making be. eye contact by then. Right, right. So exactly. There's the, a reason we want this box check right <laughs> so if you're listening there's not a book out there that we know of yet but use the other one as a resource right <laughs> if you're right. not hitting them ask questions yeah. so you were talking about the resources that you're plugging into when they were 
um, babies. So you had the mm-hmm. local, um, you had a TVI coming by the house yes. and O&M for, I mean, uh, uh, OT for one a visit. PT. Yeah, OT, a valve, a PT, I think to get help get her walking. I think that was her thing. Oh, okay. And I think that was the Excel. I know when O&M started at some point, but that may have been once we were at the preschool for the blind. I was like, she would have had to be mobile first for that to be. I think so. I don't think there's any infant O&M, is there? <laughs> no, I mean, I see parents who are like, start as soon as you can. But it's kind of like, you just kind of want to encourage them to explore and search and, you know, use their hands and right. be active. But I can't think of what you would do O&M. I mean, you could make like uh, obstacle courses and stuff like that, you know, to but if they're crawling, crawling movement. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like you just want to encourage movement until they're walking right. and then you can start O&M. So with OT, you said Olivia just had the evaluation. Did Evan need OT? Well, with Evan, I did different because I looked at Olivia and was like, oh my God, I just therapied her to death. And, yeah. you know, and I was like, I'm not going to do that again. I just felt strongly that kids are going to do it when they do it. We're good parents. We're active. We're working with them. Right. You know, you should be talking to them and explaining. I wasn't great at that because I'm not a talker. And so, like, I remember being home with Olivia, like, looking in the mirror and going, do you see your reflection? That's Olivia in the mirror. I was just like, this is killing me. <laughs> That just was not me, you know, and people are like, you should say, I'm washing the dishes and putting the soap in the cup and cleaning. The cup. I'm going to put the cup in the cat. I'm just like, I just can't do that. That's not me. Now, see, I did the best I could. <laughs> now, at that point, you didn't know if she had much peripheral vision or not because she was too young to tell you. Yeah. With Emily, we knew that she had some vision. We didn't know what she had at that point but they had me pull her high chair around the kitchen with me so that she could, she would be right close to me. Right. And so I didn't have, I talked, but I didn't have to tell her much because she, she was close enough. And, um, and that was, I had the chance to go to a literacy class for infants. Um, and what they pointed out was they're not reading for years, but they learn literacy by observation. And Um. our kids with visual impairment missed that literacy stage. Mm -hmm. And so that's why they're saying to, to talk to them about it, to describe it. Right. Um, right. And we would see things. She would have a tantrum if a wad of paper was on the table and she thought it was banana, things like that. Oh. So so we knew she was seeing that much. We just didn't know okay. what she was taking in. And um, and that ended up stabilizing. And today she's still at that same range. So, um, okay. but, it, um, but, but I do remember pulling her around. And with Christopher, I never talked to the kid. <laughs> it was... <laughs> He was he was like 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 Olivia. He was running everywhere, so he was there before I was. Yeah, right. So. I always tell Evan, I don't remember your first nine months. I'm sorry, because <laughs> it was all about Olivia because they were 22 months apart, and she was so active, and he just lived on my hip, you know, because yeah. he wasn't going to move. He never crawled, you know. He just sat. He was being you know, easy and for then you. Then he walked, and so I was like, sorry. I don't know any remember anything about your first nine months. <laughs> well, he he's he's more than made up for it with his, his physical right. activity since then. <laughs> so um, so 
Yeah, go ahead. So with Evan, I just didn't therapy. I was just not going to therapy him to death. Well, you, so you were, didn't have the TBI. Sorry. Yeah, I would say you, you, you were his therapist at that point because you kind of knew what to do. Yeah, right, right. Oh, and Olivia had a music therapist. I do remember that. So it was just kind of, you know, it was very fun therapy. Right. Um, just using music to do different whatever's I don't know coordination like she would play the drums while the music therapist would play the piano I think it was more coordination maybe Mm -hmm. but um so that was fun and but Evan I know he had the TVI but that may have been it because again I just and you know that eats your time with all those therapists I was still working I kept gradually cutting my hours but I was working and they were both in daycare. Um, and so the therapist would go to daycare because I was working full time when Olivia was born. Wow. And so um, they would they would keep a notebook and leave notes for me so I know what they worked on. And, um, and Evan, I tell you, Evan's scattered because Olivia was so dominant, but um, I know he was in daycare. <laughs> Well, even being in daycare, they were there with, they had the stimulation of the other kids and right. the caregivers there. So I there. think that was good for them because, yeah, I mean, and really at that age, they don't require a whole lot more of attention. You know, it's not yeah. like it was, I didn't feel like it was burdening anybody at the daycare with them, especially Olivia is so active and she's very vocal. She's going to speak up for herself. Evan may not, he'll just go with the flow, but um yeah, they were both fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I, I have I didn't know them I back then. <laughs> I, I I didn't know them back then, but I've known them since they were preschoolers, and they 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 were healthy, yeah, <laughs> active right. preschoolers. So. Yeah, and then they were at the preschool for the blind. I think Olivia. I think I remember you asking her. I think she started when she was two. Okay. Because I remember our county wasn't going to let her go there because they didn't understand it was was free. And oh. I was like, we're moving out of this county as soon as we can, was my first thought. <laughs> and then, um, which we did to get into Wake County, which we knew would have better services right. in a very rural county. And um, so she did, I think she started there too because she was there for two and three. She was in one room. And then four, she moved into the inclusion room where there was typical kids and VI kids. Okay. And then her year before kindergarten, she was in that preschool that she talked about. Right. Okay. Yeah, because she was, it, and it, it's interesting when we hear our kids talk about these things because their memory and understanding isn't always, they, they, right. they weren't part of any, any of the decision-making process. Right. <laughs> and, right. And le- unless they've gone back and, and heard the stories, they really... It, it, it's, right. I, I just find it interesting to hear hear their interpretation of, yeah. of what's happened. <clears throat> but she 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 was pretty pretty well spoken as far as what what she it was. was, and and she was she pretty was open pretty when accurate. she wasn't sure. Yeah, right. So yeah. when your kids were that little, so when they were infants and toddlers, until they got to, well, I, I would say even through preschool, what was the best advice that that you received from anyone? Um. Putting you on the spot here. <laughs> yeah, that is. I, I don't. I'm not doing stuff. Um, I don't know. I just think, you know, and I think the one thing we really adopted once they were in elementary school was like life 
experiences was more important than reading about it like actually getting their hands like how are they going to know what i don't know you know a tractor feels like or looks like unless they get their hands on it right so and the preschool because it was a preschool for the blind they understood that so it was all about you know you don't represent a ball on a piece of paper as a circle you know you have to actually give them a ball so they can feel it and manipulate it and go okay this is a ball right you know and even like a dog you know you can have a stuffed dog that still doesn't it's close but it's not the real thing so you know it's all about life experiences and getting their hands on things i think that's the most important and and it was interesting olivia had a brief boyfriend who was also vi but because their backgrounds were so different it just they didn't have anything to talk about because he was very sheltered Mm-hmm. And he didn't know, like, he didn't know what a plane looked like, like on the inside. And Olivia was like, no, that's not how a plane is on the inside. You know, she had to explain to him, you know, and so that difference for them, it just, they couldn't, they just didn't have any commonality, you know, to have conversation after a while. When that, so and, I would say life experiences are super important. When And that, that speaks to that literacy question again. Mm-hmm. You know, you, um, one of the examples that when I was going to Governor Moore, not Governor Moorhead, to um, Perkins School when we were in Massachusetts, they had, we were there the whole time Emily was in the infant and toddler program. And one of the stories they told me that, that probably hit me the hardest was a CEO of a corporation who was blind. So he's the CEO. He has intelligence. There's, there's no question mm-hmm. there. He was called into a court of law to testify. And they told him to raise his right hand, um, you know, when they were swearing him in. So he took his left hand and lifted his right hand. To him, to raise something, you raise a flag, you're using your hands to pick it up, to raise it up. He never understood that that you could raise your hand. Yeah. And and that one example showed me that if I want my children to be literate in this world, I need to help them see things. And right. um, and like you were talking about with with what you're doing, and and you've you've done a phenomenal job of getting your kids into experiences that they mm-hmm. wouldn't have been able to right. do anything other than to read about and hopefully yeah. imagine the right <laughs> the right part of right. it. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure our elementary school got super annoyed because I would pull them out all the time to go. We're gonna go here. You know, there was a tractor show or there was whatever going on. We we're right. like, we're gonna go experience this. And the biggest thing, aha, for me was we went to Williamsburg and you know how it's kind of like a I don't know what you call it but it's like a living you it's know like, it's like a, a living museum yeah right and I was just like this is why they re- like we were thinking about bringing them home for middle school and I was just like this is why because we need to have these kind of opportunities to go and really give them the experience to understand things yeah. because just reading and sitting in a chair is just not going to cut it for them. Yeah. And so that's how, kind of what we do. How did you teach them like the bigger things like mountains and elephants and things like that? Oh my gosh. I don't know. I mean, I know their grand their granny would take them to the mountains to that Tweetsie Railroad. I've never been, but she took them. Yeah. Um, 
And so they, I know they climb like those fire towers and stuff like that. And um, we're more beach people, so we go to the beach. But <laughs> we'll see but, when, um, when we get to our speed round, which one you say then. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And so I can't think of big animals. I, I know we've been to zoos several times, but. I think I just always try and relate stuff to something they know, like their room or their house or, you know. Right. Oh, true. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. Yeah. Because I've never seen a petting zoo with a giraffe in it. Like you know? it's, right. it's kind of hard. Now, we did go to that. I think it was Evan's class that went to that lion cat, you know, preserve out there in like Ashboro oh, or yeah. something. I mean, you can get close because they're in the fence and you can get really close. But, you know, I I doubt Evan could have seen that. It could have been Olivia, but she may have could seen if there was enough contrast, like a really light lion, you know, with a dark background. But, right. Yeah. That's the biggest animal that we've probably seen up close. But. Yeah, this is, it's interesting because yeah. I, I think those are the difficult concepts to try to yeah and you really just have to compare them to something they know more like a car you know yeah like they can act you know they've worked on like like my husband has shown them how to change a headlight and a taillight and the oil i mean you know he takes he you know he's a mechanic so he's taken them to work and olivia's helped him you know change stuff so you know doing stuff like that but you know and washing the car you get a general feel and a car right. can really be compared to a lot of things for size. Yeah, I think true. That's a good reference. True. When even even a bus, because you've walked inside of it, yes. you know how long it is. Right. From the inside, you can get a feel for the size of it. Yeah, because you can get time distance, like walking down the aisle and stuff. Yeah. Right. Right. Interesting. It's something I'd never asked you before. I was curious how you had done that. <laughs> so, um, so, is there anything that you know now? had you known back when they were babies that you would have done differently? Um, probably just a therapy thing for Olivia, but you know, really how would I have known, you know, I think that's kind of a first, first time parent such situation. Right. You, you're trying to do the best thing and get them caught up and really they're probably going to do it when they're going to do it. You've seen the commercials thing. where they have the, the, the first child and then the second child, the first one, you know, everything's clean and all. <laughs> and the second one, they're just throwing the child at a stranger. So <laughs> I think I think it's true across exactly. the board. <laughs> yes. And maybe else? not throwing them at a stranger, but <laughs> Yeah, right. Um I don't know. I think I mean obviously um dealing with the school system. You know, when I sit in parent sessions for things, you know, that's such an unknown for parents is, you know, if you sent one, send your kid to a school for the blind. I knew mine weren't, that was not, they were going to be mainstream. And like, it didn't even occur to me. Like I've heard parents say, oh, I just thought they'd go to the school for the blind. I was just like, that just never occurred to me. I don't know why. But, um, and I think schooling is such, and maybe, I think maybe parents need to dig into that more earlier, probably kind of really research. And I did do some, cause I was trying to understand why Wake County, like where kids, you know, how they handled VI kids when we weren't in Wake County, like trying to decide to move and stuff. 
So I was already trying to figure that out, but, but you don't know the pros and cons of how they handle it either. You know, the way the county does it isn't the greatest, but you don't know that either. (laughs) Well, and I know with social media, you can find all that out now. At one point, now Wake, Wake County is is the county that Tracy and I both live in, but um, and it's had a lot of changes through the years of how they do things. And when we mm-hmm. first moved here, they still had um, like the regional schools where, like yes, but they they've dropped that for almost all the other disabilities, but not VI. So VI is still at the regional schools. Okay, it's controlled. Yeah, and see, I don't, at I don't least like the that. Braille student is very controlled. Okay. Where yeah. they go. Yeah. The um and I know they've changed which schools those are too. Like they one may be up for a few years and then it'll be at another school it seems. Yeah, I don't think they've changed for a while. Okay. I know about twenty years ago the high school changed, but I don't think there's been any changes since then. So I'd be curious what our listeners are facing in their states. So if you're listening to this and um you can use the comments in the podcast as well as on the YouTube channel, wherever you're getting this from, um, let us know what state you're in and how they, how they do the schools there or all the kids mainstreamed into their local school. Um, and that'll help anyone that's listening from your state to be able to oh. see how, how things are done there. Right. The, um, I know the states that we had lived in, they were all the same as North Carolina. So, um, but because Emily's vision was low vision, she was mainstreamed into the regular she's classroom. Okay. We had the choice but okay. the bra- the braille was what the de- deciding factor was and okay. it's why we had to fight first to get her to learn braille because that was going to force her to go to another school and right. um they ended up agreeing that as long as it was two days or less a week that she could stay at her local school that's good so um and in her case it was a choice for your kids right. they had to learn it they yeah, so there wasn't and it's hard because there's not enough TVIs and O&Ms to serve the VI population. It kind of puts the school the size of our district. Yeah. It forces their hand to serve our kids that way. I get that, but then it's still not fair, you know, your kids having to go 30, 40 minutes away. Well, because they're not interacting their with their school. peers. They're, yes. They're from, from their community. Their neighborhood, yeah. Right. So, um, so that's, that's some good advice for the parents as far as doing some of the research and um, looking into what the choices are, yeah. the types of schools. Even too. finding out if there's another VI kid in your school district, because then your kid may not meet another VI child till they're in college or later. And really that social network is too important to wait till then. And how would you go about finding that because of privacy issues? you could ask the general question like when you're calling schools because i know you know like we're looking at colleges you know our question is have you served a vi student before and i'm pretty sure i have seen on message boards you know that parents can ask the school do you have a tvi on staff do you have an o&m or do you contract it out you know if they contract it that could be an indicator that maybe they only have had one to VI students, especially in a rural, you know, rural location, they're probably not going to have a TBI. And then sometimes that forces the family to send their child to 
the states full for the blind. Right. Because we, cause we met you and several other families after asking a teacher that Emily had if she knew any other families. And then, okay. of course, she shut down completely because she couldn't disclose any information. So uh-huh. I gave her my name and email and phone number, and I said, give this to anyone that you interact with right, <laughs> and let right, them contact right. me. And so okay. we, we, we got connected with, um, with, with a friend of ours, and that's how I got connected that way. When we moved okay. to North Carolina, it was really hard to get connected anywhere and to find, you know, what are there even resources out there? And, yeah, um, and the so HIPAA it, Act has made that hard for support groups to yes. get in contact. I know that was a struggle when we had our support group was now it's harder to find those families that need you. Right. So you have to trust other people to hand out your brochure or your information, mm-hmm. you know, teachers when, and doctors and all of that. And parents mm-hmm. need to be willing to think outside the box and yeah. to, to get out there to get connected because it's, it's yeah. very, it's important for the kids to have peers, but it's equally important for the parents to have peers and to mm-hmm. be able to, because how many times, I mean, our kids face totally different things, but how many times have yes. we talked to each other and right. brainstormed together about things yeah. um, that, you know, we, we at least can think along similar terms. <laughs> right. And that's the one thing I tell every parent is find a parent who's ahead of you, who's already down the path. And I'm like super thankful because I have four or five of you who are ahead of me that I can, you know, talk to and go, how'd you handle this? What, how'd you do this? You right. know? And then, you know, I have parents under me that always ask me questions, yep. you know, and I'm probably a little more aggressive, you know, in handling things because I'm assertive and I'm going to fight for my kids where, right? you know, I would say the majority of parents are not that way and they're more treading lightly. But I've learned to tread lightly <laughs> at first and then sometimes you have to be a little assertive. <laughs> There's times that Mama Bear has to come out. Yes. <laughs> yes. Even, and we had a recent win, so it worked. I tried nicely. I saw that. I was I was nicely. <laughs> and then we won. I didn't have to go ugly. <laughs> I was I was glad to see that when it came across. Yeah. <laughs> you've had some mm. different schooling experiences that you've worked through. Did you want to speak about any of that or um so we like right now we're not on a traditional path. So they went to elementary school with the VI resource program was at the school. So there's a TVI there every day. There's O&M doesn't live there because it's O&M. They got to see a lot of kids, right. but, um, but they got O&M every week. And so, and we're thankful that the school, it was still, it was a good elementary education. Olivia did miss some technology she, you know, a lot of the TVIs are older and they don't know the technology, but TVIs also have to know so much today. And that technology piece is missing for probably 90% of TVIs, I would say today. So really parents got to be super resourceful to make that part happen. But anyway, so we had a little hustle with the school because we wanted her at her base school for middle school but they weren't going to let that happen. And so I was like, well, we'll just bring her home. And uh, Tonya's daughter was already in an online school. And so we found that out 
from you guys and it was working out well even though you have different services we're braille you're not braille right <laughs> a, a very <laughs> but, um, very big difference there but <laughs> right and they did try to push back so we applied you know it wasn't a lottery then because it was new ish right. it was only their second year so we got in and i only brought olivia home because i wasn't going to try to do both at the same time and um so we applied for the online public charter school and we got in and they tried to push back and I was like well I know you have another VI student uh -huh. so yes I do know you provide these services at home and so they relented and um not to mention that it's a public really, school <laughs> they, they have to do it right it's a public school they have to provide the resources and really it was a huge blessing to our family they've been great to us for the most part right. you know administrators try to get involved and that's when things get derailed um and that's only happened a couple times but we got back on track you know mama bear came out handled <laughs> it got back on track and but otherwise they've been really i mean they've been great to us so i can't complain so both of them are now home doing school and online. So Olivia and I, I mean, we worked our heinies off that summer before sixth grade, learning yeah. the technology. We probably brought in two people to try to help us learn. We had to learn the screen reader. We had to sort of figure out the platform without having good access to the school platform, you know, cause you can't get in until they let you in. Right. And so we learned what we could like on word and everything and email. And I mean, it was, it was crazy. I was had notes and notes and notes of commands, you know, okay, you do this command to do this and then brailing everything. And it was, it was a lot of work, but it was much easier once, you know, I knew what to do then. It's just like Evan, you know, he learns from me and Olivia, right. You know, he gets the benefit of everything because his path is so much easier because we had to figure everything out for Olivia. But so they're both doing great. And now I look at it, you know, they're super prepared for college. Yeah, I was thinking about that. Exact thing they're going to be doing in college with Blackboard or whatever platform the college uses. Yeah, it'll just so be a matter of learning whether which one it is they're using. Yeah, and Olivia's dual enrolled with the community college. And so she's figured their platform. I mean, I help her zero at Wink Tech, maneuvering, registering, anything. She does it all herself. Nice. So she has figured it out. Yeah. And then Evan can just ask her, you know, when he gets there. <laughs> so. His his first time fighting for himself is going to be when he goes to college. <laughs> and that, Unless probably. he goes to the same college as she does. <laughs> True. <laughs> so, but we, but we found, cause both my kids have, um, disability services and even though the colleges are different, the process is the same as it was at Wake Tech and at yeah. Durham Tech too. So I right. think they're very similar at all the yeah. different schools. You just have to, you, you have, to, well, not every office is called the same thing. So you have to research right. a little bit to find out what that office is called at that school. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's just different people who have different beliefs of how they should serve. So yeah, you have some battles there still, but um, yeah. So the, um, the technology, I know you had a, a huge hurdle at first, but then you've also had a few times where they've changed the system and you've had to go back in. Am I remembering that? Correctly? Yeah. So they've, 
they've changed the platform, the school platform. I mean, they're trying to make it more accessible, so that's good. Um, but math is math, and a lot of that's images, equations loaded as images, but all their math is provided in Braille, paper Braille. Oh, good. And um, so that's not really an issue. And then um, they changed the sort of like Zoom. They went from one, I think it was Blackboard, to new row. And new, the newer platform isn't super great. It's, okay. It's still not perfect you know they they can't control you know and write on the whiteboard and write their answers and i mean they've never been able to do that but they right. can write in chat and they can answer abcd you know polling questions and raise their hand so how do they handle the the on like the small group setting there do they have someone assigned to read it to them well when they break breakout rooms, yeah, that's what they're called. That's a struggle because so many of the kids don't want to use their mic, and so usually we have to find. You know, the teacher kind of has to find a good partner who's willing to use their mic, listen, and write down. Like if it's a math breakout room, hey, will you write two x plus one equals blah blah blah? You know, to show their work. Right. Like Olivia had a really good girl partner that she became friends with and even met outside you know even though they oh, were nice. in charlotte we met up you know at different places and stuff so that was really nice um I don't, it doesn't seem like they do as much breakout rooms these days i, I don't okay. you know i only know what the kids tell me if they complain about something so and i'm sure it depends i don't on the hear teacher. much complaining <laughs> so i don't i guess it's not really happening much maybe <laughs> So for, so, so her, well, both the kids, their situation is a little bit different than a typical kid going to the local public school or even mm -hmm. homeschooling because they would have mom right there with them. They're kind of in between the two, but so do they get a copy of the teacher's notes? How? Yeah. So because it's online, you know, all the teachers have a PowerPoint that they're going to flip okay. through. So we get that in advance and we make sure that it's accessible. Like if it's an image of text, we convert it. I convert it to text. Right. And so it's actual text. Okay. So I just pre, or, you know, science, there's drawings, you know, we have like models of everything that I've tried to find because I'm like, I really don't want to draw DNA. I'm like, right. let me see what Amazon has for a DNA model. <laughs> well, with the 3D printers, you, you just need to find someone that has a 3D printer to print them all yes, out for we you. We have one. I just can't figure out how to finish the setup on oh, it okay. but I met a parent <laughs> yesterday at a VI thing and she's like I will come and set it up I have 14 3D printers wow so like <laughs> yeah she makes like YouTube videos and stuff I'm totally fascinated wow so yeah I've never she's seen a, one in she's action she's obsessed with <laughs> filament she's obsessed with the filament because okay. it's gotten really fancy with glitter and you know all oh that yeah kind of stuff. Yep. so yeah <laughs> But she's like, I'll come do it. I'm like, please come set me up. <laughs> so la last couple questions about, about just um, raising your children, basically. But between the elementary school and having to go into petitioning for the, the local middle school and then making the choice to change, you've had to advocate for your kids quite a bit. 
Mm-hmm. What advice would you give to parents as far as how to go about that process? If they're not getting what they need or if they have questions and they they need to bring those questions to the table, how yeah. how how is the best way to approach that? Well, it's, I mean, sort of funny and sad, but true. So our recent little battle, we had um, the contractor I worked for had an advocate. She's like, why don't you talk to the advocate before, you know, going down the ugly path, you know? So I was like, okay, talk to the advocate. But I was just like, oh my God, I wish I did this 10 years ago because she walked me through the IEP, like every section and was like, this is what should be here. Like your parent. And I mean, these are super good tips. Pay attention. So, <laughs> um, like your parent concern, she's like, that should be a whole page. Just okay. everything you can think of, you know, all your concerns. It doesn't matter when your concern is for, you know, like her example was, you know, I worked with a parent who had been fighting for a one-on-one aid for her child for two years but nowhere in any ip was that ever mentioned that the parent wanted she's like not going to happen it's not in the ip and a judge is not going to read emails of you asking for a one-on-one okay so i was like wow i wish i knew that i mean i knew like a little enough to get by like be sure stuff is in the meeting notes you know, uh, when in your IEP, like we were wanting um, a new refreshable braille display for Olivia. And I was like, be sure that's in the meeting notes. I yep. want it in there that we are requesting a new refreshable braille display. So I knew it had to be in the IEP to get it, but you know, you just don't know where it needs to be. Right. And then like your vision for the future, you know, again, that should be a page long of what your vision and how you hope they get here and get there and go to college and whatever. Um, not like ours was always, we hope they have a typical life going to college and have a career. You know, that was ours. Well, the sex is really somebody small. Else's, right, right. It's like, one sentence. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I'll work on that. And, um, and then like another section was um, training staff so if you put say dpi your state public education has a webinar or seminar on how to work with a dyslexic student or a vi student or hi student you can put that in that section of the iep and any teacher that works with your child has to do that webinar seminar interesting because it's in the iep i was like where were you 10 years ago? <laughs> I could have used that through high school with my son. Right. It would right. have saved a and lot so, of my own training for them. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, and you see all these IEP trainings, but and I've been to them, but I never heard any of all of that. But this advocate moved here from another state, and she was like, North Carolina is a hot mess when they serve their special needs, they are not doing right by their special needs population. And I was like, yeah, I know that. (laughs) (laughs) And so she kind of really detailed of where your IEP, you know, is your armor and like, it's your 10 commandments, you know, Um, it's in the IEP, it needs to be done. And so even if you're not having trouble, I think it's good to reach out I mean, it was worth the money to find out that advice. Because even though it was about Olivia, 
who, you know, her next IEP is going to be when she's almost graduating, but I'm like, I probably need to call a new IEP meeting and ask some questions about some stuff. And then, but for Evan, you know, I was like, oh my gosh, Evan's IEP is next week, turning out that vision, <laughs> turning out those concerns. And, you know, and it got the school's attention because our caseworker was like, I see all these concerns, but they seem to be addressed in the goals, you know, so I think you're okay. I'm like, yeah, I just want to be sure that, yeah. you know, even though it's a goal, it's still a concern, you know, and that it's not written off too fast. Right. Know, stuff like that. So even if you're not having trouble, I think it's worthwhile either checking with another parent, checking with an advocate, or even a trusted teacher. I mean, we have a, a guest coming on. Um, I think she's going to be in next month. I'll be interviewing her soon, but she's actually um, going to be talking about how to advocate for your child. And, okay. um, and so I'm hoping to get some specific questions for her before right. the interview next week. <laughs> but Yeah. And that's good. I mean, like, obviously you always want everything in writing. You like, even if you have a verbal conversation, you sense, send an email per our conversation. This is what I understand is going to happen, Yeah, you know, and you know, even if it's not in the IEP and you can always call an IEP whenever you want, um, you know, all those little things that the school isn't really going to tell you. So you have to have your network yeah. to help you. I always found that by following up the IEP meeting with a thank you note to everyone that was present, Mm -hmm. made a big difference in the relationship afterwards. No matter right, how right. stressful it got during the meeting, it seemed yeah. to diffuse some of that afterwards. Right. right. So. Because really, we should all be on the same side of serving well, the students. Is it, well, I, I, at one point, I took a picture of one of my kids and laid it on the middle of the table. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. we, we had had so many just stressful <laughs> meetings. That yes. said, we need to remember this is why we're all here. Right. <laughs> Not for and any that's other one reason. of the problems with North Carolina is they don't include the kids in the meeting. Like in Ohio, kids go to the IEP meetings from kindergarten. Wow. And I also think it keeps the negativity. Well, little Johnny's not da 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 da. Oh, true. Well, you're not going <laughs> to say that in front of little Johnny. Right. You know, <laughs> so I think that's one thing parents can do is always, you know, if they can sit or two hours, obviously little ones sometimes are longer IEPs because you're still learning the child. But right. I think that's a good idea. And I would have done that sooner. Like once they were in what, high school, they were in their IEP. But yeah, I think they have to go at that point or yeah, they, right. they, they have to be invited. They don't have to attend, but right. Right. And yeah. then if and it's much different because now they can speak up right. for themselves, you know, and say, this is why I really need this. This happened. Here's an example. Da, 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 you know. When, if they're 18 before they graduate, then it's their meeting. They, they have to invite they you. <laughs> they, they can, they yeah. can keep you from going to the meeting if they want to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've seen some posts about 18 year olds, like dropping stuff from their IEP. Cause yep. you know, <laughs> for whatever reason, but, you know. They're done. They're ready to be out of school. <laughs> yeah. Tired of people telling them what to do, I guess. Right. <laughs> All right. So you made reference to O&M. So part uh -huh. of the reason I wanted to have Tracy on was because she she's a fantastic parent advocate for her kids. And so I wanted to make sure that you heard, heard her story that way. But she's also gone back to school 
in the last years and received a whole no. new degree Certainly path. Forever, <laughs> yes. So you are an O&M, but tell, tell our I listeners am. what an O&M is. So an O&M is an orientation and mobility specialist um, or like, yeah, orientation and mobility specialist. So you do like travel skills, you teach the cane or like you can be an O&M and work with an older person who's lost their vision to learn how to label stuff in their home or how to learn how to now manage their home. Clean, I mean, even like cleaning tips, you know, I mean, depending on the age and what they need to know or when kids go off to college, they get O&M to their new college so they know how to get to their classes and learn the layout of the campus. So it's more than just travel then. Right. If you're it's a lot of mental mapping. Okay. Like building that mental map. Like I know like Evan and Olivia are building their mental map of downtown Raleigh. I mean they hope to go to the college downtown Raleigh. So okay. they're building that map. Well, just you know, at least learning how to build that map, establishing their landmarks. Um, especially if you have the, the talking um, crosswalk things, right. you know, the name, official name is escaping my mind, but um, <laughs> pedestrian something, um, you know, that's always a good landmark because some of them will say, you you know, crossing Davies at Fayetteville Street, oh, you right. know, so you know exactly right. where you are. Um, so, yeah, O&M can cover a lot, you know, cardinal, learning cardinal directions. I'm working on that with a student and learning how to use landmarks, you know, and a landmark could be, well, landmark can, can or can't, I can't remember now, be a smell, but like if there's a bakery, you know, it's not oh, always yeah. going to have a smell. So it's probably not a landmark. It's a clue. So it's little stuff like that. So, there was a, yeah. a couple that I knew when when we were first married, we lived out in the mountains and Steve was going to grad school and I was driving a local bus. And so I would I would pick up um, mainly the elderly, but I had a, a couple that was blind that I would drive into town to do their shopping. And the husband would help me find the location of some of the other stops. And he would have me slow down at different times and he would listen. So he was listening for a creek for one turn, and oh. um, there were dogs in a yard that were always in the yard for another one. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so would those be clues then, or would those the be... dogs might be a clue because they might get shot or yeah, whatever. true. I was saying, <laughs> I always wondered if die. the dogs are eating, are we going to know where to turn? <laughs> right. Once the dogs are gone, they're not going to be there yeah. forever. But yeah, like a creek would be a landmark. So, you so know. even though he was using the sound of it, it would still be the landmark yeah. itself. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. That is cool. The, yeah. So that started a long time ago. Well, I think before Evan went to kindergarten, I started it. And mostly I only started it to learn myself of how to help the kids. Well, that's what um, I was going to ask. Did they, did they influence that path of study for you? Yeah. Right. And because I knew I wasn't interested in TVI because TVI is stuck inside all day <laughs> and they can be stuck in one school all day. And I was like, no, and am you get to go outside and, yep. you know, go here and there and do different things. So I was like, that sounds much more fun. And, um, and a lot of it, the education overlaps with a TVI learns as well. Um, so you get a little bit, but um, so... And then once Evan 
went into kindergarten, I stopped because I was like, who trying to work and manage both the kids and stay on the school? It was just too much. And I was a one class per semester student. Okay. And so when Olivia came home, I was like, oh my gosh, I should go finish that. And the only thing that saved me from having to start all over was that I was getting a certificate and not my master's because my degrees are in accounting, not education. (laughs) So I couldn't do the master's unless I got an education. Oh, right. Bachelor's. And I was not doing that. And I was like, I just want the knowledge. I don't even know if I want to work it. So um, he was like, well, you're lucky getting the certificate. You don't have to start all over. Nice. So. Yeah, so I only it only took me like two more years to finish, and um, and then just with every you know life and my work, it just hasn't been the right time. And really, it's the paperwork that's the scary part of serving kids because it's just so much, so much paperwork. Um, and so I've decided I was like, okay, I'm gonna take a baby step. So I have two students that I see and they're not every week. One of them is like six times a quarter, which is almost every week, but I still can miss a week. And the other one's only three times a quarter. So so I'm like, that's enough because the paperwork. Now are these young, are these school age kids or older? One's a kindergartner and then one's a, I think he's fifth grade. Okay, so so elementary. And one's low vision and one's not. Okay. And one has a more severe, so I kind of have both ranges to work with. So <laughs> it's fun. It's fun. It's <laughs> pretty nice, though. Yeah. So, so tell me, this is a question I've always had because I get them confused because some of the skills seem to overlap. What's the main difference mm-hmm. between O and M and TVI? TVI, well, when I think of TVI, I think of, like, for mine, it's learning Braille, um, and, um, like, learning your shapes, you know, tactilely learning, like, especially when they're a little, little, but, um, and a TVI covers, you know, everything you're going to need to be successful in life academically, and for the, cover the ECC, you know, like, your all the, I think, what is it, 12? Is it 12? The ECC is Extended Core Curriculum, is that correct? Right, which covers your careers, your, what what are you going to do for recreation, technology, I think technology is in there, and gosh, what's some others? Uh, Daily living skills. So I've always felt like as a parent, daily living skills were, was on me. Like I should be teaching yeah. them how to fold their clothes, but a TBI can do that as well. That does fall under a TBI. Okay. But I never, the only thing like recently is <laughs> like, can you please help me like cleaning up after ourselves a little bit, you know, <laughs> I'm like, I hate to ask for this help, but can you please just make a goal for cleaning up after yourself? <laughs> hey, we have the same conversations here. So. <laughs> And my kids are older, so. Yeah, I felt bad, but I'm like, I really, I need some help here. (laughs) (laughs) But um, even that kind of stuff, um, gosh, but there's 12, I think there's 12 areas of it, but they help. And that's just about making sure they have the exposure. So TVI is sort of about all the exposure of how to be a well-rounded person. Like, you know about um things in your area to do like recreational 
whatever is offered. Like, you know, the city of Raleigh has a VI program for adults that you can join. They'll come and pick you up and take you to an activity and take you back home. You know, so it's about knowing how to make a phone call and go, hey, do you have any programs? Blah, blah, blah. Um, And and then O&M is pretty much more of travel, like um, at the... um, what do they call that center now? They changed the name of that DSB adult center. So like if you have an adult who's recently lost vision and to me, they need to be in a good place to learn the new skills. I had a student there who was not in a good place. So it was like pulling teeth to get her to do anything because she was not in a good place to learn new skills as a blind person. Right. Um, so uh, for O&M, we worked on, you know, how to use a cane, you know, and all those you know like downtown has a lot of cracks in the sidewalk well i'm not going to tell you that there's a crack coming up you have to know how to use the cane you know she would get mad at me because i wouldn't tell her there was a crack coming up like not my job what if you're walking by yourself nobody's gonna come running up to you to tell you there's crackings right (laughs) (laughs) and so you know you have to have those skills or you're going to be stuck at home you know so which would you rather um so i would say that o&m is mostly travel but they can help with more stuff in the household as well or you know your older clients who are adjusting to blindness i think i think where i've gotten confused is o&m can take you to the grocery store to to learn to do your shopping orient you but then tvi can help you with your cleaning at home and putting the things on the shelves <laughs> and they kind right. of go together and really i think both of them can do like the home stuff it could fall under both of them okay but yeah because like you know in preschool the kids went to the grocery store all the time to go and feel all the fruit and vegetables and learn what an orange felt like or a zucchini or you know if your family didn't eat rutabagas or something you know you could go to the store right and, feel them and see how they're different from an apple. Um, and then you have O&M where you're orienting to the store. So like, right. Okay. Because of my O&M, like if the ki- like kids rarely go to the grocery store with me, but when they would, I'd be like, all right, you're responsible to go get the turkey at the deli counter. It's straight ahead, figure it out. And that's right. just my mean mom style. <laughs> you know, I just throw them to the wild. And I'm like, there's some things, use your cane, be sure you're sweeping, you, you'll be fine. Yeah. And then get to the counter, you know, and um, order the meat. And then Olivia, you know, she'll even go look for canned stuff. And I'm like, there's always somebody around. I was going to say, gonna they, ask you. that's part of getting around is asking those yeah. questions. Right. And so I'm like, somebody will ask you and somebody always does. Do you need help finding something? And she's like, yeah, I'm looking for this. And, you know, and then she comes back and finds me. Yeah. Yeah. So, and making them do that kind of stuff is just going to make them better adults. I'll say it's it's not being mean. You're giving them skills that they're going to need to survive out of your house one day. They may think I'm mean. Yeah. You, you and Gina have done a good job of getting the kids independent, which I've always oh, been really you. impressed with. It's um, I'm thank looking you. forward to seeing what both of them are going to do in the next 10 Me years too. where they're going to be. Yes. <laughs> so, all right. So let me think back through this again. So if we're okay. a young family right now, they're more than likely going to have TVI home services if they're still in that preschool yes. time. 
and right. maybe an OT or a PT coming in too. O&M, maybe not until they're in formal schooling. Yeah, at least preschool. Three, yeah, because three, zero to three is like one group is responsible for the child. And then three to kindergarten is like your local preschool. But I know like that varies by stakes. My mom worked in Kentucky and so they don't have a preschool program, really? but they have, um, yeah, they have a visually impaired preschool services VIPs. Okay. And so, but I don't think it was free but it was a preschool that kids could come to that served visually impaired kids. Okay. It was in Louisville, but I don't, Interesting. I know they did a lot of fundraising, so I don't know if they got any kind of government funding and maybe right. the parents had to pay some for that. I'm not sure. And we were in Commonwealths for all of preschool. So it was provided for them. And then we were okay. here for second grade for Emily. So we didn't, she, she okay. wasn't here during that time. Yeah, which is why I think say which is why I never know whenever you reference someone from from GMS preschool (laughs) because we were never there. (laughs) Oh, okay. Because I think GMS preschool was zero to three, and then three to five was our county. Okay, but your county, you know, can let you go to GMS preschool. But GMS preschool doesn't have classrooms anymore. Um, oh, okay. I think there's still, it's just all itinerant now. They just come to the child. Okay. And then once you go in kindergarten, your school system. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But you probably won't, wouldn't get O&M until they're at least three. I would right. Imagine. And that's, and if you're, depending on the vision level of your child, you may not have O&M um, or it may just be an evaluation right. time be, yeah. with that. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, because I mean, because even with Emily's vision, she had O and M, but okay. it wasn't as often as your kids would have had it. Right. Um, and right. at first, it was the same. Well, she was serviced by someone that had dual certification until she was in middle school. So I don't really know which was which because it was the same person. Right. Same <laughs> but, person. Yeah, yeah. And, and they would combine activities in each visit. So oh, right. you know, and then she also had a o- OT. So some of okay. that might have been a TVI doing that instead, but she had OT as well. So, but, um, but unlike Olivia, she was afraid to touch anything or, (laughs) so so we were, we were just praying that, that she would eventually put her hands out and touch something. (laughs) Oh no. (laughs) So she was, she was a little, little defensive. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So, um, with O&M, I'm assuming that you're teaching sighted guide techniques to the student but who's learning how to be the sighted guide? So like my little kindergartner, we just went over that because he just had his IEP. And so um, we talked about like, really he should be asking for sighted guide when he needs it. And, but the teachers need to know how to provide that or anybody, you know, that comes in contact with them because what do most people want to do? They want to grab them or right. push them. I mean, my husband's still notorious for like leading them through the crowd from behind. Drives me insane. But um, so, you know, and well, now it's not sighted guide, it's human guide. Oh, okay. Because really a VI person could lead another VI person. True. Um, yeah. So, um, so human guide. So it's hum- human guide. Uh, so they can, like a little kid can 
just take like two fingers or they can take your wrist. And then as they get taller, they would hook on above your elbow. And like today, Evan had a swim meet and I had somebody tapping him um, that had never worked with him. It was just a girl at a local college because we had to go out of town for a meet and I didn't have anybody to help me. And so I was like, oh, I need to show you human guide because you have to take him to the start end and then take him away from when he finishes because I tap the turns. And so um, so I'm like, if you just touch them, like touch them with your arm so they know you're there and you're touching them for a reason, like, hey, grab on to me. Right. And so um, that's basically human guide. You let them know you're there. Just touch them with the back of your hand and they'll you know, feel up your arm or down to your wrist. And so, you know, I showed all the teachers, you know, sometimes, you know, classes are in a hurry or they're running late and they can't wait for them to grab their cane and get it, and, you know, or they're kind of slow. Sometimes they're a little pokey, you know, and <laughs> they've got to hurry up. I'm like, if it's just inconvenient to wait for them to use their cane, just say, we're going to do side of guide, you know, do you want to grab my fingers or do you want to grab my wrist? You know, and this one's, you know, he's kind of little, so it's always easier for him just to take your fingers. Mm -hmm. And that way it gives them some control over their body. You're not clutching them and they feel like they're just being told where to go, where if they're hanging on to you, they can always let go and they have control over their own bodies. So, So, and that's important for everybody to feel like they're in control. So for this, this little guy that you, that you're talking about, um, so is he putting his hand over the fingers or yeah, under? So he's just gripping. So on he's holding it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's normally, so like if, if, if I were guiding you, would you, mm-hmm. would you put your hand over my arm or how would you do it? I would put, I'm like, we describe it like as holding a cup. So I'm just going to grab the back right above your elbow okay of your arm okay that's what i was wondering how right. how you do that part is right. there and then a, you're just the okay. traveler is just a little bit behind the guide right yeah because otherwise you can't really yeah tell yeah <laughs> kind of hard to do side by side they're yeah. they're reaching the obstacle the same time as you are at that point. right that would not be good <laughs> no <laughs> So is there a website or any type of resource that parents could go to if they wanted to learn human some of the guide. techniques? There's tons of YouTube videos on human guide. So human guide is the term they're going to search for. Human guide is the correct term today. Okay. I'll see if I can get a few of those linked on the resources yeah. for this one to get to get mm-hmm. them started. Because I, th- I think it would be good even if you if you don't have a child that has... A visual impairment I think it would be nice if all of us were aware of the technique right so because that, as we learn um even Olivia said her new O&M uh, which she's she had him when she was in elementary but she has him again now mm-hmm. but um she they've been working because she's working like college campus and the way people tend to want to help if you're standing at a corner waiting to cross in a blind person or a VI person it's going to listen to the traffic flow for two or three times to figure out how traffic is moving before they're going to cross. And so as they're standing there, what people like to do is just grab their arm and pull them across the street. Right. And so you have to learn how to break that grasp 
And so right. Olivia said her O&M has been working on that, on how to break that grip of somebody just grabbing nice. you because then they disorient you if they move you. Right. And then you have to reorient to where you knew you were in right. space. And so that's, you know, why it's really important not to mess with VI people because they do, they mostly, most of them do know what they're doing. <laughs> you know, it's just going to take them a little longer. They need time to assess what the traffic flow is and what's going on before they're going to try and cross and honking or yelling at them to cross doesn't help them. Right. <laughs> well, cause I was thinking, I don't know where about, you are. <laughs> I hadn't even thought about it. I mean, just a slight turn and now you're walking into the middle of the intersection instead of across right. the street. Right. Because you're, you know, you're thinking about how your feet are lined up on the curb. You've done all these things with the truncated dome, the little bumpy, pads yeah i mean those are for wheelchair people but it also helps vi people to know oh that's where the curb is to the street at this truncated dome and you know like i when we were under blindfold training i always used that curb I, my toes were on the edge of the curb so i knew i was straight and ready to straight cross because right. you don't want to veer especially veer left and veer out into the middle of that intersection right would right. not be pretty so yeah. or and, yeah. and even if they've moved you enough now you're going across the other street and not right not where you started right. from so yeah and if there's no talking crosswalk you know there's no way to determine that you know yeah. really <laughs> when i know to paying really close attention to your intersection <laughs> when i know if i'm driving not to stop and let someone cross um, to just follow the regular traffic pattern because that's that's too disorienting too because now you right. change the flow of what it should be. Right, right. And you don't know what traffic's going to do beside you. They may not stop, you know, just because you what, stop. And I'm not, I don't know about you, but I'm not even comfortable. If I'm waiting to cross the street, I don't want a car to stop for me because right. I can't see what's coming behind them. I can't, you know, right. it's more than just that car that I'm dealing yes, with. Yes, right, right. You and still got the other direction to deal exactly. with. Exactly. <laughs> so, <laughs> so drivers out there, don't stop and let people go if it's not the right, time to right. stop. <laughs> keep, right, keep on going. Right. Don't honk. Don't yell. The things right. we heard when we were under blindfold. Don't grab like, anyone. Why do you think that's helpful? <laughs> I think I, I think everyone should spend some time under blindfold just to see. <laughs> not in their house, outside. Right. <laughs> in a very vulnerable area to, to see right. what it's really like. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> well, it's time for the speed round. Okay. <laughs> As I say, it's everybody's favorite part of the show. <laughs> All right. So for the speed round, I'm going to give you a series of 10 questions, three open-ended, seven either or, and you have an unlimited amount of time to do this. What is your favorite color? Pink. Pink. <laughs> I was waiting for an answer. Yes, I actually believe you because I've seen your hair that color. <laughs> uh, what was the last book that you read? I think House Fire might have been the last. I like financial stuff. Uh, what's your favorite holiday? Holiday? I guess Christmas. I'm That's not the, a most, big the most popular person. one so far. <laughs> yeah. All right. So in, we're, now we're on to the either or. So cake or okay. ice cream? Hey. All sugar, of course, right? All sugar. <laughs> Batman or Superman? Mm, Batman. Ocean or mountains? Ocean. I knew that was going to be coming in. Yeah. Winter or summer? Summer. Watch a movie or read a book? Read a book. 
Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings? Harry Potter. Ooh, you surprised me on that one. Twitter or Instagram? I've never read Lord of the Rings. Oh. (laughs) Twitter or Instagram? Instagram. All right. So you were a little bit of an outlier there. What Uh I'm finding is there's some... um, That could be age. Well, there's 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 some age issues um, that are fitting into some patterns on there. Okay, but you, you're you're not a typical pattern follower there, <laughs> which is a good thing. <laughs> so Tracy, I've been um, it's been fun talking to you today. I appreciate you coming on to the podcast and sharing your information with us. And um, if our listeners would like to get in touch with you, do you have a way to do that or would you rather them go through Water Prairie? Um, they can do Instagram. I think it's, you can tell how much I'm on Instagram, but I am on there. I know it's O and, so O for Olivia and A-N-D-E for Evan, mom. I think that's all it is. I, th- I, th- I think you're right. Yeah. I can put yeah. that in the show notes too. So if anybody okay. does have a direct question. You've been listening to the Water Prairie Chronicles. Any resources mentioned during this episode will be posted in the description. If you're interested in joining us as a guest, contact us through the links in the description below. Be sure to subscribe and share it with your friends. We appreciate your support as we build this resource. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week for a new episode.